Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. In this episode, I'll be discussing the research program for 2020 during the lockdown and also the outlook for tillage farmers with John Spink, the head of Oak Park. I first asked John, how did Oak Park fare in planting crops this year during the difficult back end? Actually, Michael, we were, we were actually much better off than the rest of the country. Obviously, the land in Oak Park is relatively light and, you know, the rainfall, I guess, wasn't anything like, uh, you know, what was had to further north in the northeast and on the heavier soils so actually you know it wasn't great it was very difficult drilling conditions uh, but we did manage to get I think pretty much everything barring a couple of acres of, uh, of winter barley that we planned to, to plant we managed to get in the round. And a good few uh, I suppose farmers around the country probably got lots of crops in as well but they didn't work out maybe as well in terms of there's lots of bare patches and that kind of thing. Is did, did Oak Park's light land kind of hold up okay, or what way did it turn out? It did. I mean, they actually, you know, we was, <laughs> I suppose, present, pleasantly surprised over the last three or four years. You know, we have lost quite a lot of uh, winter cereals in wet winters. Uh, two or three years ago, you know, we found a couple of collapsed drains around the farm. We've had those, or we've repaired those, and we actually got away relatively lightly. There's a few plots around that are a bit thin, you know, around the edges and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, uh, you know, crops, uh, our winter crops survived better than you would expect. Okay. So you're probably better off than most farmers. An awful lot of guys probably would have had um, a bit of an overhang from winter that wouldn't have got everything in. But uh, you're saying you pretty much got everything in you wanted to get in. Um, now, obviously, in this spring, we had a lot of wet weather all the way up through um, February and maybe into early March. Uh, and that was around the same time as the COVID-19 lockdown came, came around. Did that affect your planting of or your plans for planting your crops? It certainly delayed things, you know, particularly with, I guess, crops like beans. We were putting, putting in later than, uh, you know, maybe than we would like. And I, you know, I know I'm in danger here maybe of sickening some farmers, but again, I have to admit that we actually got away with things relatively uh, lightly. We actually got the, the, the last of the spring barley trials planted the Friday before the lockdown started. And we were left with some areas of commercial crops and headlands and things to put in around them, which were done subsequently. But we were very, we were very lucky, really, in terms of the, the main bulk of the research in that, uh, you know, the vast, the vast majority of the stuff was planted just before the lockdown came. There were one or two oddities, things that we're looking at. So uh, one of the researchers there, uh, Sheila, is trying a bit of soya this year, um, a very small area. That was planted, you know, after the lockdown and also uh, having a bit of a look to see what we can do in terms of grain maize. Uh, Richie Hackett's doing that and that's gone in uh, obviously more recently. But the vast majority of the stuff was planted, um, you know, just before the lockdown. And John, you mentioned soya. That's that's soya bean, the same as guys get out of the States. And, and is that for combining or is that for whole cropping or what's the plan for that? <laughs> the, the hope, Michael, is that it's for combining. Uh, there is there is a small amount grown in the south of England, um, and obviously we can grow beans as a as a protein crop in Ireland very well. But they don't quite have the the quality that you'd have for soya. And there have been developments in terms of soya that's better suited to, I guess, cooler climates and also sure to see you know the I, I get you know in the, in the same way as maize developed a lot in sort of twenty or thirty years ago, and you can grow it much further north. There have been similar developments for soya, so we're having a look at that just on a small scale and seeing, seeing what we can do. 
So it's trying to get a variety that, uh, that, that or a number of varieties that will um, ripen out a little bit earlier and you can actually harvest them, is that it? That's exactly it, yeah. So just in terms then of um, obviously planting crops is one side of the house. The other side of it is there's all the other management that, that, they, that needs to happen. And a lot of that certainly came within the lockdown, which is probably, we're into it probably seven or eight weeks now at this stage. Your, your team here in Oak Park must have been stretched a lot. Um, how have you coped? And, and is there any areas which you just, didn't manage to get around to. Well, Michael, I mean, I must give thanks to all of the all of the staff in Oak Park, particularly the farm staff and the, the technical staff in the field, because they have uh, they've done some Trojan work to keep on top of things. Now, obviously, we've not managed to do everything. We we would normally have you know a lot of students, uh, both from universities and, and colleges in in Ireland, but also from from France, you know, primarily from France, but from other European countries as well, who who come to us for experience. We're expecting a lot of that to not happen this year for obvious reasons, and that's going to contail what we can do during the year. So there has been some trimming back of the research program just because we won't have the people to do it. But we, you know, research and agriculture have both been classed as um, essential services by the government. So we have uh, tried to keep as much of it going as we can. But people are obviously working in different ways. People aren't coming into the offices and working as they would normally. Maybe coming in, you know, getting whatever equipment they need in the yard, going into the field, doing the work, and you know, collecting whatever data and things, and dealing with that at home to try and just reduce the number of people around the place and you know, keep everyone uh, socially distanced, as they say. Okay, and John Oak, Oak Park has been pretty good in terms of. Um, getting out of Oak Park, if you like, and going to the northeast and down to the south and putting in trials there to make sure that the, um, I suppose, the, the, the research is relevant to the wide variety of conditions we have here in Ireland. How much success have you had on that this year? Um, there are still off-site trials going on, Michael, um, but not as much as normal. Um, it, it's obviously much easier. We can't have staff travelling together, um, you know, to to go and spray experiments, for example. So when, when staff are going out to, to spray field experiments, they're traveling out in separate vehicles and then they're not actually coming within two meters of each other until they're completely covered in PPE, you know, rubber gloves and spray suits and face shields and breathing masks and everything. So it, it's obviously logistically much harder, but we are still trying to do at least some of the trials around the country. Um, so we've got, uh, I think we've got trials certainly down in Cork uh, there were some spring barley trials put over in Wexford. And I must admit, I'm not entirely sure what there is in the northeast, but certainly uh, where we can, we're keeping some of those going anyway. Okay, okay. And we've again, we've been pretty good. I think Hernot Parker, you're certainly the, 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 the research staff and um, the, the technologists and everyone have been very good here at being able to show... Um, you know, some, of the, some of the trial results work uh, physically on site before they're harvested. Obviously, that's going to be affected a bit this year. Um, do you think we will be able to to see them in another guise? Do you think this year? Well, certainly, we we, we would hope so, and we would plan to, Michael. I mean, obviously, there was the virtual crop walk uh, that you did the other day, which any, I thought was very good. Although people might think I'm biased, but certainly there's been good feedback on it. We're doing as much as we can to try and um, you know keep everyone connected with what we're doing, and I would hope that we could do some. Uh, virtual trials tours uh, as as they become as the results become obvious and I guess that particularly with things like foliar disease control trials you know and certainly you can see a lot if you fly a drone over some of these experiments at the right time 
you can see how much green leaf area retention there is in in the various treatments so we'll be looking at doing as much of that as we can yeah i suppose i suppose that kind of thing gives it gives a very different perspective uh, to to people and often sometimes um i'd be thinking about a rugby match sometimes when you turn up to a rugby match you kind of thinking if I would have stayed at home, I would have seen more of what's going on in the scrum. So maybe it might be a, a little bit like that, um, that, that people might get a different perspective, but still see every bit as much or get every bit as much out of it, if you like. So seeing it from a drone might not be as different for you as it is for some of us, Michael. But yeah, <laughs> certainly I can see a lot more from a, from a drone than I can from standing on the ground. I won't comment either way, John. <laughs> <laughs> can I just ask you, uh, as you're looking, as you're going around Oak Park, uh, how are crops looking? Uh, obviously, you, you mentioned there the fact that um, it was great to be able to get uh, or have a dry site to get stuff in. Uh, obviously, we're in a, uh, you know, quite a dry period at the moment. Are, are crops looking under stress for water? They're certainly getting that way. And, you know, with no real rainfall forecast this part of the country, you know, for the next week or 10 days, I mean, I think certainly if you're further south, you know, the Cork area, you're probably in a much better position. Um, winter crops came through surprisingly well, and we managed to get nitrogen onto them, you know, in a, in a, or get some on relatively early which has kept them reasonably well tillered out but they are all now coming under pressure for water um, you know and showing symptoms of deficiencies and things particularly with the spring crops which aren't as well rooted um, but it's certainly beginning to struggle and I, I wouldn't be overly optimistic as to what they'll be like if we get another week or 10 days of this. Okay so you can probably see some of, the, some of them kind of thinning out a bit can you? You can begin to see, well, yeah, you can start to see tillers dying back or, you know, some of the spring crops maybe not tillering up as quickly as we would like. We've had a small bits of rain here and there, which have kind of kept them going, but there's really not enough. Okay. So, uh, and again, thinking about growers, um, not just in this region, but even up towards the northeast as well, where crops would have went in an awful lot later than guys would have liked, certainly maybe two or three weeks later. Winter barley, I suppose, in particular, um, thinking about those, they're, 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 they're thinner than they normally would have been. There's moisture stress on those. Um, there's, uh, I suppose, harvest prices aren't looking as good now as maybe they were about three months ago. Um, do you think growers, or is it too late for growers to make any different agronomic decisions now in terms of pushing their crops or in terms of spend and trying to protect uh, some bit of profitability in the end? I don't, I don't know that I would be changing things massively Michael but certainly I would be keeping an eye on spend we talk about IPM and when it comes to disease control you know we look at the varieties and we look at how much disease there is there we've always got to be mindful that really the response to any fungicide is dependent to a large extent on what the weather does after you've applied it but that said you know if you've got very low disease levels in crops uh, and you've got you know same barley if it's thinned out with fewer tillers then you probably don't have the yield potential and i think there probably are some opportunities to make savings particularly in terms of rates um, of products but you still need to be putting something on at those timings but it's the other costs i think you know maybe some of the things that we're not quite so convinced necessarily pay for themselves i'd be uh, if it was my money i'd be uh, asking some quite hard questions as to whether i should be uh, you know buying some of these perhaps other other products which aren't quite well so defined as to how the yield potential they'll give you i was going to come to that john um we have i suppose seen a lot of how to call them maybe interesting recommendations coming from some farmers um and, and they're asking the chagas advisors to i suppose give a view on them um uh, some of these recommendations might have had 
six, seven, or maybe even eight tank mixes in them. Um, some of them straightforward in terms of maybe a, a herbicide or a, a fungicide or a couple of those mixed in. Um, but then we had other things that were there. Um, arguably, maybe you could say that the um, trace elements that, that were included uh, were, were probably needed in the dry areas, but then you had other things. They had these bioactive um, products and you had um, biostimulants and various different things. Are Oak Park doing any result, any research in those areas? And what's your general overall, overall view in terms of their value for money in the current times? Um, I suppose the first, the, the, we'll start at the beginning there. You know, I would be nervous on a stressed crop of going in with a tank mix with six, seven or eight products in the tank. You know. Um, I don't, I don't think you would find on any label, uh, any manufacturer backing up that many things going into the tank together. Uh, you know, over and above the kind of physical compatibility and, you know, things that might precipitate in the tank or not mix properly. Most of these products have some sort of adjuvants, wetters and things in them, which and they're designed to disturb the wax cover on the leaf, get the product into the leaf. And obviously the more things that you stick in the tank, you know, you can just irrespective of the active ingredients, the amount of wetters and things can put the crop under stress. So I would be very nervous about that many things in the tank at once. Um, and I must admit, over, over the years, I've tested a good number of them. We can't test them all. There's just way too many of them and they come and go. And it's usually very difficult to find any significant uh, response to a lot of these products. So personally, you know, if, if I was making the decision, I think I'd be keeping the euro in my pocket, uh, in, particularly in a year like this. Oh, could I suggest that buyer beware, or perhaps that maybe the farmer could or should uh, do his own, uh, even if they're only uh, tramline trials, and put it in, exclude it, and uh, compare the difference. And if you see something, there might be something in it. If you don't, well, you don't. Yeah, I mean, so and sometimes you can see effects of these things. You know, they might make something a little bit greener, but at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's, it's how much grain you end up with in the shed that matters, um, not necessarily what something looks like. So I've done some very detailed trials over the years and, and not been able to measure uh, any difference. So with, with a lot of them. John, just to ask you a final question, and it's, it's, it's kind of around, I suppose, the general landscape in terms of ag chems. Uh, we know that there are various different things afoot in terms of the Green Deal and various other different policy uh, initiatives you might call them coming across from Europe whereby they would like us to use an awful lot less ag chems uh, and I suppose more immediately we have uh, the likes of Bravo um, going off registration in, in, in a little over a week's time. Where do you see the uh, landscape I suppose in, in, in another couple of years and I suppose how do you think farmers should try and respond to that now? And certainly I don't see the pressure on um, things like ag chems decreasing within Europe. The bar gets ever higher to jump over in terms of you know the safety of these products and things. I think the difficulty is um, that we then compete on commodity markets with, you know, for example, you know the the grain market is largely set prices largely set by maize. The majority of the maize is is GM. Um, so. We're at a dis we're at a competitive disadvantage. There's talk in Europe as well as these extra restrictions coming in of introducing things like uh, carbon tariffs on imports, 
So if that means that, you know, some of the things we're competing against are having to pay a tariff to get into the market, then that would mean that our grain you know, essentially becomes more valuable and we're not competing uh, in such an unlevel playing field. So I think that would be a good thing. But I think as, a, as an industry as a whole, we perhaps need to consider more uh, the complete package when we're looking at varieties. We've been very much focused for the decades now, you know, looking at yield. But I think we should be valuing more some of the agronomic characteristics of varieties, things like their disease resistance. Um, you know, we look at one or two percent difference on the recommended list and think we'll go for that one, it's the highest. But I think, you know, we have restricted access to fungicides and other crop protection products. Can you can you actually realize that extra two percent of you? Or would you be better off going for something maybe two percent lower yielding in theory? But with a better package of disease resistance, and then if you're delayed by a week, uh, you know, with your getting on, say, with your flagging spray, it probably won't matter as much. If if I can paraphrase maybe a little bit in, in terms of what you're talking about, uh, farmers really need to upskill themselves and be more conscious about the inputs they're putting in in the first place and the the, the potential effects that choosing you know, one input over another can have knock-on effects of, of actually more spend and using more chemistry where that might necessarily be needed. John, I just want to thank you very much for your time. Um, it was great to chat to you and we'll come back and we'll chat again maybe later on in the year. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks Michael. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week. And my thanks to John for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on the Apple podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.